Deadline's new Hollywood live podcast panel and cocktails at TIFF 2019 is sponsored by Fig and Olive and Inkbox. Let me tell you something about Fig and Olive. They, you know, they were at all three, you know, live podcasts, you know, at our first one, at our first Hustlers one. I was hustling <laughs> to get more of their hors d'oeuvres. They have full meals too, but they were serving these like, these bites, these flatbreads, these hors d'oeuvres that were so good. So, and everyone was getting getting lit for them um also inkbox inkbox was at our studio here in toronto they give temporary tattoos and they're not just like your run-of-the-mill temporary tattoos where you just stick them on and go about your day they are awesome dope they look like tattoos they feel like tattoos the process is pretty dope so look them up also i want to give special thanks to our partners love child social house where we held our podcast also cali love who housed our studio they, I, I love them. They, they have the most delicious food. You know, again, I'm always talking about food. So look them up. They're here in Toronto. They have great smoothies, great poke bowls. Oh, my. Okay, I need to stop talking about food because I'm getting hungry. Also, I want to thank Bullet Bourbon, Kettle One Botanical, and Tanqueray Number 10. Let's move on with the show. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of Deadline's New Hollywood Podcast. I am one of your two co-hosts, Dino Ray Ramos, and we are podcasting to you from our friendly neighbor to the North Canada, Toronto to be exact, because we are here at the Toronto International Film Festival, aka TIFF, and we are bringing a boatload, a boatload of podcasts for you actually we're bringing three podcasts you know but i don't know if that's a boatload but you know take do with that what you will anyways our first podcast is our new hollywood hustlers podcast yes hustlers the film coming out september 13 directed by lorraine scafaria um based on the new york uh, magazine article about the this group of strippers who they scam men I'm just going to leave it at that, but it's more than that. Uh, once you listen to the podcast, you'll get a great, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll hear more about that. We have a stacked panel. We recorded this live. We have actresses Constance Wu, Lily Reinhardt. We also have the director-writer, Lorene Scafaria, as well as producers Jessica Album and Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas, who is J-Lo's Jennifer Lopez, if you don't know what J-Lo is, uh, J-Lo's uh, producing partner. Um, it was a great, great conversation, a packed crowd, a wonderful night. You know, Hustlers is... It, it, it's an unexpected film. I'll say that much. I won't ruin anything for you. I want you to go see it for yourself. It's out in theater September 13th, and you will enjoy it as you will enjoy this podcast. So without further ado, here is our first live podcast from Toronto for 2019 with Constance Wu, Lorene Scafaria, Lily Reinhardt, Jessica Album, and Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas. Enjoy! How are you, how are you ladies? Woohoo! Thank you guys Hi. for doing this. Thank you. So, let's start off, Lorene, with you. Okay. Um, when you were first asked to, to adapt the article and to make this film, what was your first instinct and how you wanted to frame the story? 
Uh, I was really interested in the friendship story between the two women who had met and formed this friendship and this business together, um, and then were interviewed separately. And I thought that was really profound and that something more happened there. So I wanted to read between the lines and tell that fuller story. Um, I also wanted to show a world that I don't think people often think about or certainly don't view it in this way. And I, I wanted to show the humanity of, of this world and the women who do this for a living and show that they are really doing a job. They are paying their bills and they are making ends meet. And um, yeah, that, that's what really drew me to it was the world and the, and the characters and, and the themes, everything that the story touches upon from control to uh, the American dream. <laughs> And um, this is for the producing team and for Lorraine. Uh, what were some of the challenges in stretching out the, an article into a whole feature-length film? Um, you know, you, especially for something like this, which we had a wonderful ensemble of people, so we wanted to uh, step out a lot of the uh, side characters as well, see uh, the fuller life that they all had, all their reasonings for... Um, not just where they ended up in terms of the crime, but where they started and, and what they needed in their lives. Um, so it was really just, you know, I think writing's an exercise in empathy always, and so that was really my approach to this story, like anything else. I, I like taking characters who might feel misunderstood and, and um, maybe shed some light on, on, on their lives. And so the challenges were really just the stigma that, um, is wrapped up in uh, strippers and sex workers and um, the judgment that's that's easily passed on them. And so um, the, the the struggle was honestly getting the movie made more than it was uh, adapting the, the article into a script. I mean, she, I have to say, she is such a beautiful poetic writer. Her, her characters were so complicated. There weren't good or bad. It was just shades of humanity. And it didn't really matter what these people did for a living. It was their struggle. Um, and at the basis, this friendship of these women who all understood the struggle and didn't judge each other. Um, in, in setting it up, Jessica and Lorene and, and I, it was an interesting, an interesting situation because we've all had to set up movies, and gosh, it couldn't be more challenging to set up a theatrical film than right now, I don't think. And here we have one that was um, written and will be directed by this ferocious, fearless, beautiful woman about ferocious, ferocious fearless, beautiful women, all who are complicated, and we're pitching to um, primarily white men uh, <laughs> in studios, and and um, everybody could recognize the quality of the writing and the quality of Lorene as a filmmaker. But they gave us one note, which was, um, it's great, but can one just one little, you know, could could they only drug the bad guys? And we said, well, they said, you know, like make one of the guys a rapist and have them drug them, and then we'll greenlight. And we said, you know, this is based on on a true story. And it's really the slippery slope of the hustle and the American dream. And we really want to explore the complications of that. They went, yeah, yeah, no, we get it. Just make them bad guys. To which Jessica said, if we were making The Wolf of Wall Street, 
would you have said to Leonardo DiCaprio? Just scam the bad people. So to the credit of Adam Fogelson at STX, he didn't say that. He saw Lorene, he listened to her. It was like we weren't even in the room. You remember that? He was just captivated by, it's true. Elaine's convinced we're in love. We're I not in love. There was something going on. And he, not in love. Uh, and he saw, and, and that brilliant reel, um, we have, by the way, just as a side note, this wonderful female writer-director, a wonderful female editor, uh, female producers, female executive producers, female UPMs. Um, it, it was something we, we were really proud of, and, and, and Adam, and there's some great men behind us, um, and Adam was one, and he, and, he, and he believed in everything that Lorene wanted and, and fought for, and it was not easy, and it was made, I don't care what anyone tells you, it was made for $20 million, so I'm just <laughs> saying it so everybody knows it. We really, we, we, we scraped to make this movie, and everybody did. Everyone. That sounds like a lot, I know. It does, <laughs> but when you read in the, in the press, when they see it and they go, oh no, it was 30 or 30, it wasn't. It wasn't, and I want to sort of say it out there because I'm proud of it, to, to be able to make this in, I think it was 29 days. Yes. That, that's true. 29 days, 20 million New York City dollars, which yeah. doesn't go as far as you'd think. So anyway, it was quite a journey to making this movie, and it's that much of a sweet reward because I think when it came on tracking, the town finally took notice. Y'all are nice. Thank you. You, you pull up an interesting point. Um, you know, this is one of the few films that we see men as the victims, quote unquote, or, or not, whatever your interpretation is. How did you kind of go about striking that, that balance? I, I, you know, I didn't want to change anything of what the crimes were or the punishments or anything like that. I, I, um, like I said, if it's an exercise in empathy, I have to spread that empathy to the men as well. And certainly there were real victims and in, in the real crimes. Um, uh, I think, you know, we're all up against a really broken value system. I think, you know, women are valued for their beauty and their bodies, whether for sex or motherhood, and men are valued for their money and success and power, and the trickle-down of both of those things can be really dangerous and kind of affect, I think, a lot of aspects of our lives and uh, headlines in the news. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to talk about all of us navigating that broken value system. So do I think those guys sold some bad stocks to people? <laughs> Certainly. Do I think they destroyed the global economy? Definitely. So uh, I didn't think I needed to invent anything more than that, plus add in some bad behavior in a strip club, <laughs> plus add in the sort of microaggressions to aggressions that these women and all women probably deal with on a regular basis. And and I didn't think I had to do anything more than that. Um, I didn't want to paint anyone as a villain or a, a hero. And I, I just think we all know the difference between right and wrong. And I think it's up to an audience to decide at what point is it too much or maybe it never is, really. Now, uh, Constance and Lily, what sort of research did you guys do to sort of form your character? Um, Constance, were you a, did you reach out to the real um, Rosalind or? Like what? What did you? What all did you guys do? Uh, well, one thing that was hugely beneficial to me was that um, 
Rosalind had all these audio tapes of um, the interviews, off, which is what the New York Magazine article is based off of. So I kind of listened to those on loop uh, to just sort of hear how she talked, how she told her story and how she felt about herself. And you could hear so much, even behind the things that, uh, that she didn't say. You know, you could really hear it. Um, I actually just met her for the first time a couple nights ago. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was really cool. It was really cool. She's really sweet, and she's really excited, and she's, she's nervous about, like, this, but she's, like, really feels, like, kind of proud that, like, people are paying notice to her story, and she wrote this book. You know, she's in the moment. Oh, not yet. No, no. I think she's going to be here tomorrow. She'll be here tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, she'll yeah. be here. That's the test. Lily? I mean, I, I honestly, a lot of the prep came with just talking to Laureen about who we wanted this character to be because she wasn't necessarily based on a specific girl. Mm -hmm. um, she more so was just part of the part of the story and um, so I mean again uh, so much happened in the moment on set so much just like natural energy of, of us working off of each other and improving and having fun and so there wasn't too much prep involved besides taking two pole dancing classes which you don't actually <laughs> we'll get into that later you, you don't see me pole dance in the movie but like it was it was fun to just to, to do that and um, yeah, that was a good, that was a fun thing to do for prep. For good workout. It's a great workout, yeah. Um, Constance, you know, yeah. you know, when you play someone in real, a real life person, you know, did you, you know, you, do you have, a, what kind of responsibility did you have to kind of give her story justice? And, you know, what was it about Rosie that spoke to you the most? Um, I think any character I play, real or imagined, when I start a project, I make an oath of integrity to that character. I actually write it on my trailer, like in a piece of paper that I put in my trailer. Oath of integrity that I will do right by you. Um, and that's what I did for Rosie. It's what I do uh, for all my parts. And what was the second part of your question? Oh, uh, the, what, what spoke something. to you most about Rosie? Oh, yeah. I mean, at the time, I was looking for a project that was about loneliness. Not because I myself am lonely, but lonely, but I think Loneliness is very pervasive in our culture right now just because of social media and just, you know, seeing people's highlight reel and how social media kind of feels like a substitute for a human connection, but it's not. And, uh, and how, like, we're so politically polarized. And I just thought that if I could find a story with a protagonist who was deeply lonely and who got to sort of run the whole spectrum of emotions um, through that journey of understanding why she's lonely. She has abandonment issues and like she doesn't trust people. Like um, I thought that that would be really important. I never thought that it would come in the form of a stripper movie, <laughs> but, but it really did. It really, and, and it was kind of perfect because uh, another reason she's lonely is because she's had judgments made on her her whole life, whether it's because she is the daughter of an immigrant or because she's a stripper. Um, or because she wasn't that into academics. There are a lot of instances where destiny was judged before getting to know her as a human, which is why it was so important for me to do right by her 
because I feel like our culture has not done right by her and people like her. So as artists, we want to humanize as much as possible. Yeah, you, you mentioned, oh, you know, she was an immigrant, and then the article, the actual New York Magazine article, we find out that Rosie's parents were Cambodian refugees. You know, that's a very timely subject right now, and going back to, you, you know, the American dream. Um, Constance, I guess this is a two-part one for Lorraine, one for, for, for Constance. Constance, um, did you use kind of that kind of story to inform your performance? And um, Lorraine, was there at one point where you kind of wanted to delve into her her background and her her um, her story about her family being refugees or not? I mean, I, I certainly wanted to stray a little bit from the true story um, to create this character. I, I certainly wanted her to be the daughter of immigrants. I'm the daughter of an immigrant. Um, so that that hits home for me that the American dream was very different from my father when he came from Italy than it is now. Um, uh, I, I still thought it was important to talk about the family dynamic, the culture, um, the American culture more than anything. The, that um, when you come here from another place, what, the, what you're valuing, um, certainly when you're a, a child of an immigrant, I know for me, hard work was, was everything, you know? And, um, and so money, finances, things like that, and how to make it, how to get by, that, it's all made so much harder. It's, it's worth talking about, but it also just felt like one facet, honestly, of, of destiny. And, and part of what makes her a full character. Would you agree? I mean, it's, it's not in the script anymore. I mean, of course, it's in the source material that she's the daughter of Cambodian immigrants. Um, but just because something's not in the script or not in the movie doesn't mean it's not something that the actor has built into the character, into their life. And I think one of the best things about that for me, or, or details like that, is not necessarily like showcasing it, but just understanding how character details like that have informed character. So, I mean, when you are the daughter of an immigrant, uh, you are somebody who doesn't have a legacy in this country. That affects confidence in a certain way, and that affects your choices in a certain way, and that affects your fear around scarcity in a certain way, and it, it, all, um, it all has like very human ramifications. So I definitely use that, and also just trauma, inherited trauma, I mean, being a survivor of the, not me being a survivor of the Khmer Rouge, but many Cambodian immigrants being a survival, survivors of the Khmer Rouge, that's going to affect you and how you feel the world is gonna treat you. Um, and I definitely built that into the character um, and it was really helpful to me. I'm curious, um, and any of you guys can take this, um, and I know some of us, or maybe all of us are guilty of this, but did you guys have preconceived notions about this world before going into this film, and then once you delve into this film and we're making it and learning more about it, what were some of the what were some surprising things that you learned about it? I, I just want to say something. We were upstairs. We were just reliving a moment where <laughs> it was the last day of shooting, and uh, we were shooting a very big dancing Jennifer's big dancing, uh, and and uh, we have a celebrity, a guest celebrity in the movie, and and his he he comes and he comes to the club and we have 200 extras and we have one night to shoot it and Cardi is there and Lizzo is there and, 
and, and he is there, and, and Jennifer is going to do this, and, and Jessica and I were upstairs, and it was about a quarter to four in the morning. And they put the, the, the music on in the club, and these 200 extras who'd been sitting around all night, we had, we had spoken to them and said, look, you're part of us now. There's a lot of big stars in this movie, but you're part of it, and it's 2007, and it's the last great night before everything sort of goes to shit. And, and, and you're there, and you're gonna, you got money to spend, and there's gorgeous women, and it's not Constance or J-Lo or Lily or Cardi. It, th these are strippers, and you're there to have the best... And we, and so we gave the speech, right, to them, and we thought, uh, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking for cell phones to see if anybody's taping anything. And we're up there at Video Village, and I swear I think I'll remember this for the rest of my life. Our mouths fell open because they put the music on. Um, and that room was transformed. Jennifer was on stage dancing with Lizzo and, and Constance and, 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 and people are throwing money and it just was the longest, most beautiful shot. And you remember we like looked at each other and we went, holy shit, <laughs> this is really good. This was, it was transformative. And for a moment, you believe that everybody in that club didn't have a care in the world and that these strippers were a family um, of, of, of disenfranchised women. I mean, you know, Jennifer isn't here today. Um, couldn't have been more proud or honored to work with Constance and Lily and Cardi and Kiki. There was an authenticness to the friendship that they all had, a respect that they all had for each other. I loved the way the women supported each other on this movie. I, I, I wanna just wave it around because it was, it was real. Yeah. It was not manufactured. It was, there were a lot of people saying to me ahead of time, oh, you're gonna have your hands full. Not for a second. It was real and, um, and it sort of culminated, wouldn't you say, in that night. And my partner who doesn't say a lot is the one <laughs> who optioned this article. I don't need to with don't you, sweetheart. <laughs> she optioned this article. She was the one who found this article. She was the one who championed this article. She was the one who reached out to Jennifer and I to come on board with her. Well, Lorraine's, yeah, she sent it to me. So the quiet little the, the dynamite over her, my right, is the reason. Anyway. Um, but yes, yes, I, um, uh, I, you know, I've had, I had friends who became strippers after high school, friends who were strippers after college, paying off student loans, so I didn't really judge uh, what they did for a living. I don't really judge the men who walk into the clubs either. Um, do I have my own jealousies and insecurities that could probably seep in and get in the way of that? Probably, and I think that's part of the learning experience of of working on this film and meeting all these people over the years who, um, you know, just a lot of beautiful people who are earning a living and getting by. And so, um, you know, you learn a lot about how the strip clubs are run. You know, some are run better than others. Some managers are better than others. And, and you realize that um, it's a it's a bizarre system. It's a little bit like hairdressers at a salon where you that that pay for the chair, you know, um, and then have to bring in clients. So um, they have to pay the club to work there. They have to pay house fees. They have to tip out everybody. So 
the difference between a good night and a bad night isn't necessarily, oh, did your, a nice guy come in? Did a creep come in? It's, did you go home with minimum wage or did you go home with what you need to pay the bills? And so um, it was enlightening in a lot of ways. Um, but the, I think the judgment is just, a, it's a very easy thing for people to pass. Just, um, but I think the, you know, it's, it's every reason to get to know people, and you probably already do. You probably already know a stripper or a sex worker in your life, and, and, uh, and you know, these are, these are people doing a job. Now, Lily, we, <laughs> turning to you, um, we love you as Betty on Riverdale. Uh, yeah, yeah, there you go. And she has a dark side. We've seen it. Um, do you think she would ever partake in, <laughs> in anything like this? No. Which is why I'm so glad I got to be part of this. But, um, but also, I kind of wanted to add to the question prior, which was, um, I think we all have preconceived notions about strippers and sex workers. And I think I certainly did. And I think you kind of walk into this movie thinking, oh, we're going to see a movie about women who show off their bodies, and you kind of take away, when you see the film, you walk away saying, okay, no, this is a movie about women who own their bodies, and that's such a difference. Mm -hmm. There's such a difference there, and I think um, that's the most important thing that I took away from this experience, yeah. and just the way that society kind of views strippers as trashy or slutty or however, you know, there's mm -hmm. just these bad connotations associated with them, but truly they're just women who are empowered by their sexuality, who are supporting their families and supporting their lives. So I think that's what I took away from this movie especially. And also every time I go to a strip club now and I see a woman spinning around, I'm like, you are an athlete, my friend. Because it is not easy. And it is incredibly challenging. It is very hard, but that athlete, the, the athleticism is a very interesting point because when you break it down, a stripper is somebody who uses their body for entertainment to make money. And that's exactly what a pro athlete does. It's like but a we, dancer, but you're just, you just so happen to be naked sometimes. Yeah, and like, we just judge one more harshly than yeah, the other. Yeah, of course, just because you use your body in a sexual way, even though being naked doesn't necessarily mean you have to be sexual. But I think we as a society kind of sexualized it, and that's kind of what it turned into. But really, it's just an art form. So try to look at it that way next time mm -hmm. you're... We did, money. we did want to treat it like a sports movie in that way. I think there's, it takes so much athleticism and strength, core strength. Jennifer, a person who has worked out her whole ding-dong life, my goodness. Uh, she said it was the hardest thing. I mean, she actually just posted something on YouTube that was like behind the scenes of her, of her doing it. You know? And the other thing, it's funny, she and I were talking about this the other night, about that brilliant line you wrote at the... At, don't ruin it. No spoilers. We are all hustling. You know, we're 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 hustling right now, and we hustled to get this movie made. I don't know if there's anything wrong or not. I don't know if you judge the hustle. A hustle is something so that you can get where it is you need to go, and sometimes you go too far, and when you do, you have to be your own judge and jury on that. But you can't necessarily, shouldn't hate the hustler because if you do, then you're hating your own drive. 
And that's what I think of it as. I, I think that when I think of hustlers, I think of you and me and Lorene going in from boardroom to boardroom. I've danced for the money, yeah. no question. <laughs> they didn't ask me to get on the pole, but you know. But I, no shame, absolutely no shame in dancing for the money, honestly. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that's the reason it was a story that I found so relatable, yeah. to be honest. It feels like we're certainly all hustling. Um, we're all dealt a certain hand of cards, honestly. I've, I guess I've described it as a woman just uh, being out of breath at the starting line. And um, I think, you know, depending on how many hurdles you have before that starting line might account for how out of breath you may be. Uh, some people have more hurdles than others, obviously. And so um, when I think about that, I think it's any wonder anyone can win the race at all. Um, but it, that, that for me was, you know, part of the, the story to me was that, yes, we're all, we're all hustling, but we're all up against this kind of broken system here, and we're all, you know, trying to navigate our, our way, and hopefully with a little empathy and a little self-love as we go. We wrap this movie, you guys, m May 3rd. Normally, we would still be in post. This is so crazy, but she had such a beautiful and complete idea of how she wanted to shoot it, how she wanted to cut it. I remember, of course, being terrified because I think that's just my natural state. And I said, you know, they want us to go to Toronto and that's in September. And, and Lorene said, we can do it. And it was, I think it was, I don't know what your post was, six weeks? It was awful. Yeah. I don't recommend it at all, but um, like but it was. I'm so happy to be putting the movie out right away. Honestly, it feels too soon to talk about it. I feel like I'm still like dreaming about a test in school or something years later. But I, it, it's. Um, I'm so excited to share it with Toronto. TIFF is the best yeah. film festival to be sharing a movie like this with. So let's just do it. Let's get on with it. <laughs> And I just want to say, Elaine, you were talking about that one scene when everyone was on the stage. Yes. That was so fire, y'all. It was like, watch, it was like my second, it's like, you know how in Avengers, I don't know if y'all saw Avengers Endgame, when all the Avengers came together. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, okay, girl, y'all do your thing. It was, it was out of control, so. Thank you. Know, what Thank was amazing you. about it, it uh, yes, the actors, we had the best actors and it was the, so much fun to be there, but the extras too. It, we were transported and it was because you set the stage and everybody understood what it was. And it was one of those magic moments that you couldn't try to recreate, you know? So you, why bother? But you'll witness it when you all, have you all seen the movie yet? See, oh, don't ruin it. Uh, yeah, you're gonna, have, you're, gonna, you're gonna have fun. Everybody dies, I'm sorry. But before they die, there's one great dance. Um, so I just want to say, like, what I really took from this movie when I saw it was there was it was a very it, it was a story about this strong female friendship and not just I mean between these two women that were women of color that were sort of unapologetic sorry I can't talk unapologetically doing what they need to do to get by and um, as women especially in this business we're we're always I I feel like we we're always scrutinized for whatever what projects we do or what we say um, do you guys feel like we've reached a point in in our society and our business that that's sort of been erased or do you feel like we still have to sort of be in our be on our P's and Q's 
I don't know what's changed yet, to be honest. I, I hope some things have gotten better as a result of the Me Too movement and Time's Up. I certainly hope that, that, that some people have adjusted their behavior and their thinking, but I think we've got thousands of years before this movie was made, and I don't know. How long does it take to uh, fix thousands of years of, of what's sewn into our fabric? So um, I don't know. I, I hope so. I, you know, to be honest, something like this, uh, it, it was a, a, a tough movie to get made for many reasons. So, but to be honest, all movies are hard to get made. They really are. They're all so hard to get made. They're so hard to get made now. So um, I'd like to think, like, you know, there's always a trend. I was sent female empowerment stories in 2015 as if that was a new genre. Um, so... For 51% of the population, we we got it. Um, but um, yeah, I, it, it, yeah, it's it, it, they're still hard to get made. And I, I I'd like to think you know with each with each one that breaks the barrier, maybe it'll get a little easier. Um, and then Constance also being a woman of color, uh, fronting this film and and fronting a lot of projects in Hollywood. Do you still feel like you have to sort of hold back, um, in fear of maybe people? Uh, taking things the wrong way or seeing you as, um, I, don't, I don't know if threatening is the, is the right word, but, I, but I, f I feel like that's sort of, when you, yeah, when you see, when, when a woman's really speaking out, like, I feel like people, some people might take it that way. I mean, my, my goal in, I guess, navigating this in industry is to uh, find a way to do it with authenticity and integrity. And... I don't have all the answers right now because I'm still like navigating it and it's, sometimes it's been great, sometimes it's been really hard, but everything that's happened has sort of taught me something about the kind of person that I wanna be and the kind of effect that, um, that stories have on people, uh, the power that comes with it and um, so, but then there's also the fact that I'm just me. That's the authenticity part. <laughs> so even if I think I shouldn't do something, I'm like, well, I just end up doing it, you know? Um, <laughs> which in, in its own way is kind of like, I think, good. Yeah. Cool, well, you got, oh, great. sorry. I, 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 no, I just wanna say, I think no, it's think you are incredibly authentic and strong, and I love that about you. And I think, Lily, what you said, about these strippers owning their their bodies in a way that wow I don't you know there's no self consciousness about it They're, they live out loud which is what Lizzo does in her real life and I think why so many women connect with her and I think you're amazing women I really Thank you. do yes amazing. I agree yes. and I and I just want to say is there still a boys club fuck yes. The, the insidiousness of it isn't, God forbid, may people not be getting attacked in the way that they have been, absolutely. But that's not the boys club, it's, the, it's a subtle boys club. It's the marginalization, it's, it's the way we marginalize the word rom-com, as if it's bad or less than. It's the way we marginalize things that are, have to do with women, or in Jennifer's case, what's so amazing about her, and I don't say this because she's my partner, I, I say it because I so admire her. She's showing us that the only thing that limits you is you. Certainly not the age of 50. Certainly not what other people think you should do. 
So I, when more women start owning who they are or owning their bodies or owning their quirks and idiosyncrasies and celebrating them, then we can squash this. But until then, we have a lot of work to do. Well, with that, guys, you guys, that was a great conversation. Thank you guys Thank you so all. much. Thank you all. Lily, Constance, Lorene, Elaine, Jessica. You guys watch this film. It's dope. Thank you Thank all. Thank you guys for coming out.